Hello, welcome to Youth Podcast. Today I'm here with Lana and Zach and we're going to be speaking about the government's response to COVID. So to begin, I'm just going to go through a timeline of events so we can kind of get ahead around the what's happened. So December 2019, the first case was reported in Wuhan. Um, January 29th, the first case of coronaviruses in the UK. March 16th is the first daily briefing. March 23rd is when we go into lockdown, and on that day, cases pass 1,000. April 3rd is the Nightingale Hospitals open. April 6th, Boris, I wrote BJ, <laughs> not do that. Boris Johnson gets mm-hmm. COVID and is hospitalised. May 10th, restrictions ease and including unlimited exercise. May 25th is the Dominic Cummings situation, <laughs> the press conference, if we remember that. Um, and then July 4th is when everything starts opening up again. And now we are here in October and cases have risen quite significantly now. So on that cheery note, <laughs> let's <laughs> go into some general questions. So fundamentally, do you think that the government responded appropriately to the pandemic? Lana, do you want to go first? I think the measures they put in place were reasonable. They just put them in place far too late for them to work. So, like, sort of yes and no at the same time. It's... And up until they started opening things, the measures in place were working. We could see that. They were working. They would have worked better if they'd done them back in February, but, Mm. alas, we can only... (laughs) We can only say that they didn't do that and we can't go back in the past to change it. But as soon as they started relaxing lockdown, it was just too soon to do that. Mm-hmm. It was far too soon. Yeah. And we're all paying for it now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Zach, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think that the government's approach to the pandemic was a bit wrong. Um, I mean... Like, you can see, I say, like, after it started easing up, that's when it, that's when the government started to mess up a lot of things. I think that before that, when it was still, like, the kind of full-on lockdown situation, that was good. But now you see a lot of sudden policy changes, which I don't think is good for the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar, what about you? Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, I just think they didn't do a very good job. Like, I, I think, especially when it came to blaming other people and then what the thing they're sort of doing at the moment where, because they don't want to put anything strict in, they just want to sort of make it seem like they're doing something. Like, by, like, mm-hmm. adding random little rules that don't really help anyone and and then blaming everyone else for, like, it getting worse. And obviously, mm-hmm. not to say people aren't to blame, but, but at the end of the day, it's the government's responsibility to... To end this pandemic, end this pandemic to all to whatever extent they can, and I just don't think they've actually put their full effort in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that like they were it was good for the first week or so with the daily briefings and the locking down quite strict immediately. However, I think because obviously there is some sort of blame on the fact that this is a novel disease we have we have never can't like dealt with it before, so everyone was panicking. However, I think the confusion could have been dealt with better. So the daily briefings, like there's the classic joke now where it says, don't go inside, don't go outside, stay indoors, 
but don't go outside it's just really confusing and the the messages surrounding <clears throat> the response but especially things like Dominic Hoeing's we're going to get onto that in a minute but just the one rule for them another one for us I think is really disheartening so I don't think they responded appropriately to the pandemic in my opinion um next question is how do you define success <coughs> response so is it economic or lives saved Zach um well for me I would define it as an economic success because obviously with a pandemic lives are gonna be lost but Mm -hmm. I think that if we can maintain like a a strong-ish like maintain an economy that kind of works until we can deal with the virus then that would be a success and during the time between that we need to maintain like you know we need to reduce the number of lives lost and if we're going to use that metric to define the UK success I would think it would be a little bit of a landslide failure. Um, I would think always in terms of how many lives we can save and how much we can reduce the risk of even contracting the virus mm-hmm. uh, which we, I, I suppose there was some moderate success. We're nowhere as near as bad as many, many countries. But considering population size in relation to that, yeah, we suck. We just, they just, they don't care about the lives lost. The first um, sort of campaign around it was oh well only old people and already ill people will die so we don't care Mm -hmm. but um those are people too and they have lives and people they love and things they're doing and things they want to do so that's a bit callous Mm -hmm. it's all been very callous and even now with the deaths rising they're not putting any more rules in place because they seem to simply not care about the average person until it affects them and I mean, that's just how governments seem to work in general. So I can't <laughs> criticise specifically the British government here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think um, countries like New Zealand with the legend, which is Jacinda Ardern in <laughs> power, who locked down. I think the, the key to countries which have dealt well with the pandemic is they locked down early in their timeline and locked down for a, they didn't open up too quickly. So, for example, as again, New Zealand, they are COVID free now. And it's because they they lock down early and also their their economy is doing fine as well because they are they allowed furlough um like well, if that makes sense. But yeah. Oscar, what what's your opinion on this? Uh, I think well, I don't know, I've I I feel like you kind of have to factor in both because mm-hmm. on the one hand, like yeah, you can have a a really successful economy for a while but then if everyone's just it, like if loads of people are dying and then everyone's scared of going outside and they're getting killing their relatives by coming back and having a really good economy or an economic plan isn't going to do anything because then people are just are going to end up in the, one way or another not not not, not using businesses not going to businesses whereas like whereas like if you just save lives then and the economy completely crashes it's going to send loads of people into poverty and i'm not saying it would kill tons of people at least directly it would just mean there was no money in circulation and life would become a lot more difficult anyway so then you just have 
then 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 the virus would probably end up coming back. So it just I feel it kind of I'm struggling to explain it, but I feel it all kind of does have to connect to each other in a way. I think um, immediately live save. I I mean, I think it's pretty important to like keep people alive, but like you know some people will disagree with that. But I can see that long term. Um, the economic implications of this like the news broke this morning that um, 16 to 24 year olds in the next few years are going to experience the highest rate of unemployment in history because of the pandemic because the job market is just fucked so yeah I'm feeling that right now yeah I'm trying to get a job and there's just nothing yeah the our generation like we're kind of the forgotten ones I guess because we're not going to die from the virus particularly we're a low risk group but for us, I think yeah. the implications of this like, are just going to be so... <laughs> in the aftershock of everything. Well, I think that's why it just needs, it needs to be balanced, because then now you've got a whole... Because because of their, like, un, un, like misdeeds, whatever you want to call it, they basically just got to put a whole generation at risk of work and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. and especially if you're going into, like, careers that are now less viable, like the creative industries and, and such. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God, the arts. Jesus. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, there was recently in the last few days that advert, which I know, I know That's... is an old advert, but it's come back into circulation. Um, and also the comments from when the art should retrain. I think it's, you know, the art <laughs> industry is <laughs> going to be suffering because of this. So, Which is dumb because they're what everyone was relying on during lockdown. Like exactly. everyone was listening to music. Everyone was watching TV and film. Mm-hmm. everyone was you know learning new things like dancing and stuff yoga if I want to add that into some kind of creative art but yeah yeah, yeah no. it's like that the government are talking about this retraining like the mm-hmm. lockdown is gonna last forever and that the creative arts aren't gonna be viral anymore like no obviously the virus is gonna end someday don't know when but after that, demand for creative jobs are going to go back up. And mm-hmm. it's like, why are you telling people that dedicated their whole lives to their craft to just switch? That doesn't make sense. No, it's it's yeah. absolutely terrifying. It's honestly so scary, especially since like, I re- I, like, that's the career direction I want to go in. And like right now yeah. I'm looking at university and just thinking, oh my God, what's even the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're you're into the illustration, so yeah. How's that? How's that for you? Well, at the moment, it's all fine. But obviously, the the thing is, you can't like go. You can't go to open days or anything. So you can't get a feel of university campuses really. Like mm-hmm. you can go to the cities and stuff, but even that's not advised, obviously. And and you can't. And, and specifically for art stuff, you can't. It's going to be very unlikely they're going to have in person interviews, which means they're not going to see your portfolio as like. Like up close and personal and everything, they're not so they might not get as good of a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And again, and and then they'll probably be fine in, in terms of that. It's just it's it's take. Um, I think it's kind of advice for everyone going into university, but I think largely, definitely for people going in for art subjects, it's just it just feels so kind of not exactly pointless. That you kind of yeah, because at the end of the day, like there's still a chance you won't even have lessons. It will just be in a flat doing all your stuff, and then. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just as much as it's exciting. It's also because of everything going on it, and because of how badly everything's being handled. It, it's just very worrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, With you guys, you're are you planning on going to uni, or are you just kind of going to wait it out? I, I'm, I'm planning on going to uni to study film, so another creative art. 
right. <laughs> yeah it's not been I would say it's not been as bad for me because I was involved in some uni stuff before the lockdown even happened so mm-hmm. I got to actually see some campuses and do some lectures and uh, I went to a online summer school residential <laughs> not residential obviously but I did get to experience more of that and so I don't feel quite as anxious about it but I'm definitely wondering you know whether two three years into my degree it's just gonna either be sorry there's no jobs anymore or whether it's gonna be like oh you can get placement year easy you could just go over there just go over the street there's hundreds of people looking for people like you it's Mm -hmm. it's very touch and go at the moment but I think most of the professors I talked to were very hopeful (laughs) because a lot of shows like tv shows for example like I know a lot of them are starting up filming again so that bodes I would say that bodes well for the arts as a whole that the creative industries are slowly starting up again like um I know there was a big thing about all concert staff and how all of them are losing money and lots of artists donated to that and obviously even though there were online concerts that's got way less staff and way less production than if you went on a tour to 25 different countries or whatever the hell so those things those big event things they're not going to be starting up again until they predict autumn 2021 so it's time to wait before you get your paycheck will those people even still be there to get the jobs again Mm -hmm. or will they have to have moved into a different sector yeah yeah, Zach, like, what about you? Are, you? are you thinking of going to uni or not? Or like, Yeah, well, I am planning to go to uni and I feel like, you know, because I'm planning to go to, like, for some academic subjects, like, not very creative. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, so I just want to say, like, it's like so many opportunities for me have been just removed because of the virus. So many of my open days have been cancelled. Open days been put online for weird oh times. God. And both of my, like, uh, the Oxford and Cambridge summer schools has been put online. And I just want to say, since it was their first year of this, the quality was not, you know, wasn't going to be as good as the residential ones. But I did expect something since they were Oxford and Cambridge and they didn't meet it. Yeah. Did anyone else do any like virtual open days? I'd signed up to a bunch, but they're all oh. at the end of the they're all at the end of this month or later. <clears throat> so I did one for UE in Bristol and it was basically just like a massive group chat with staff on it and it crashed immediately. <laughs> and, and oh god, it was <laughs> not good. I, I did one with um Southampton which was actually surprisingly really good um they had like several teachers and students come on and talk to us about the subject Mm -hmm. um they got up to engage in some like mini games with the chat which was basically can you think of a shit enough film that no one would study it ever I said the room but they (laughs) said actually that is on the course and I was like oh my gosh why um basically to say this is what you don't do that is why it's on the course but um it was actually pretty good and I felt like they'd maybe 
done it before or held some kind of practice about it it felt like they knew exactly what they were going to say and what they were going to do so mm-hmm. and the technical difficulties we did had have were sorted pretty much immediately so it wasn't too bad at all mm-hmm. on the other hand I did stuff with reading and technical difficulties everywhere I kept getting logged off logged out then I wouldn't be able to get back into the group I was on because they split us into groups yeah it was terrible mm-hmm. that's why they're my second choice not my first <laughs> yeah um yeah god I think there's also a lot of um for young people especially just kind of on topic about younger people there's a lot of blaming on our part because um I mean we were the ones who were encouraged to go and use eat out to help out and we're going back to college and stuff and now the coronavirus cases are rising the government's like oh it's the young people those damn those damn kids like going out and licking each other's eyeballs or something so like I don't know it's I think as a young person today and looking for the next five ten years it's just going to be yeah it's not nice to think about I guess but um but also like it's one thing no, I was just gonna say I don't think the blame is new. They've always been blaming us for yeah. everything. Oh, the economy. Oh, university. Oh, this and all that. You know, we're at fault for everything. So it wasn't surprising. Yeah, to no. Me. Anyway, it just feels a bit shit. That's all. What's going on? Well, I just feel like, yeah, because they're blaming young people. And a lot of times, yeah, rightly so. But that's also because everyone's been, you know, gone to uni. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're at that, if you're, in the mind of, like, people who are in uni this year, so obviously I don't think that's any of us, but it's like, that you've just gone to uni, like, there's essentially for you, and you're, like, there's no risk. And mm-hmm. you, and honestly, you're probably not caring about the rules that much. So, yeah, and, there, and that's probably why in places like Brighton, there are, like, um, I think it's, like, the main people who it's the main group is like i think it's I don't know, 18 to 26 year olds or something who people get it or maybe it's like, it's, or it's like 14 to 26 i don't know what the exact age bracket they measure it in, but it's like that yeah that is the main group of people getting it but then the problem is then the government themselves or like even universities don't really provide much like in the way of support or assistance or even incentive to not like break the rules and end up spreading it more and and as much as like people, as much as like students are in a lot of ways adults, they also are young. So you can, so yeah, sure, blame like young people for lots of things. But then there's nothing in place to alter it or help. It's just, it's, it's very much, it's just the same sort of tactics for everyone. And that, I just don't think that's going to work because people have different levels of different reasons as why they don't want to get it or why mm-hmm. they don't care. And it's like, I think, I don't know, I think. And yeah, that can be very selfish sometimes. But I think realistically, a lot of people aren't just going to follow every guideline exactly because it just doesn't, it probably just doesn't seem that important to them. Yeah. Also, I can imagine that um, a lot of people our age, like we are kind of being robbed of our teenage years. So I think for some people, it can be like, you know, fuck it. I, I don't care if I get it. But I think what a lot of people also forget is that it's, it's not just you that's going to get it. If you get infected, it will be people around you. Yeah, but I mean, what Oscar was saying about breaking the guidelines, I don't even think people really are breaking the guidelines. It's just that the guidelines are so terrible that we're all getting it anyway. For example, like, Bazwick's pretty good in what we're doing with masks and hand sanitizer and all that. But my sister is in secondary school and they got a confirmed case and they have not shut down the school. They do not have to wear masks. They do not. They can sit next to each other still, you know. Um, 
but they haven't shut down the school, even though this kid was in school for one week with COVID before they got their confirmed test. They haven't isolated anyone. They're not encouraged anyone to being tested. And talking of tests, they're barely available anymore anyway. Yeah. Did you see that thing in, oh, I don't know, Birmingham, I think it was, where they handed out tests that had already been used? Huh? How do you... Yeah, they handed out... Uh, they handed out tests that had already been used to um it was mostly university students and these people didn't know what the test swabs looked like without being used so quite a few people used it before they realized before they got told and their tests got recollected that they were um had already been used it was an administration error as opposed to like a malicious give the (laughs) Yeah, it was an administration error, but at the same time, the BBC and all that, they're reporting, oh, it's only 25 test kits, but all the people there are saying, no, it was at least 100. Because even within that article, they were like, oh, yeah, and I knew this person, and this person down the road had the test kits, and there were four people in that house that had the test kits, and four people in that house, and four in that house, and five in that one, you know? So they're lying about the amount, which they continue to do for the cases as well. Yeah, talking about testing, um, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a rumour which then got confirmed that at some point in lockdown, they were counting, because you know they said we're going to do 100,000 tests a day. Great, cool. However, they were doing one swab in the nose and one swab in the mouth, and they were counting that as two tests. So, like, you know, numbers are being... And then I think now what they're doing is, because we're running out of these... Um, testing things and they're also a lot lower quality and you're also having to do them at home which we'll get on to but um, it's just you know there's going to be a more case of um, false negatives because so at the start that I don't have any of you have ever had a Covid test oh yeah I have yeah, yeah I've had a, I've had a it's, few. Uh, I haven't had one yet painful <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrifying experience no it's not that bad I've had <laughs> so am i right in thinking that it's like basically a long cotton swab yeah you're absolutely deep for a cotton you have swab to shove it up your nose to the right or back not very pleasant yeah that's the worst part the deep throat is fine but the of the nose is the worst part because <laughs> it's so it's like it's like agonizing without being painful i can't describe it mm. yeah yeah like, no it's like when you get pins and needles in your foot and you're like, oh, this hurts, but it doesn't actually hurt. It's that I'm kind of feeling. I'm sure it was used as a medieval yeah. torture method, but, you know. <laughs> Honestly, it should be. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. But, but you say about the negatives, but, like, back at the start when they were using the test, there was um an 82% false negative yeah. rate. Yeah. So is are we up that high exactly. again? It's also because... So, did you have yours done at home, or were they done in like a, a lab or a testing facility? Um, I mine was sort of different. Uh, yeah, mine was sort of different because it was like I, I was on sort of I'm on, I basically I was on like a, my sister was on a list for something, so we got signed up to this thing where you, we get vouchers if we get te- we got tested every week for five weeks, mm-hmm. which is why I've had like so many. But um, it's like basically they just hand you, they they hand you they put they put they answer ask you some questions and stuff in our form. And you put and look while they're standing outside your door. Then they put like the sealed test kit on the on the floor, which is just like a swab, a tube of um, what's that like sort of preservative? Is it saline? Yeah. Saline. 
and um and yeah and then there's a cotton swab and basically you just um, I think I did my throat. You used the same one. Was that, at least is what I did. Mm-hmm. Same. They told us yeah, the same yeah, one. Yeah. Um, like then the back of the throat on your tonsils, and then the awful bit which is up in your nose, and then basically you just snap it off into the tube, and then give it back to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fun thing is when they deliver the home ones, they're delivered by Amazon. Oh. <laughs> really, oh, we love big bees. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Oh, we stand Jeff here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Bold queen. Bezos fan cam in the house. Oh. But so the point about home testing is that obviously, and actually now to be fair, they're opening up a lot more test facilities. But before they were closing those them because a lot of them were in like sports facilities. So like there was uh, at the Amex in Brighton, that was a massive one, and they closed it for a long time because football came back on. <laughs> and the, the the closest until about a few weeks ago, um, the closest place to get a test was the Isle of Wight. Or somewhere in Scotland, <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Cafe, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or a hospital, but you know, but um, a lot traveling of land and sea borders, yes. Yeah, I think unless it's done by a professional, um, you're not likely to do it properly because, like, no one likes to shove a massive stick down your nose doing it themselves. So they'll stop, and it doesn't get a correct reading. But anyway, it's getting better now, but still, um. But yeah, okay. Uh, moving on to just the period of lockdown, how did you find being at home for that long of a time? I mean, as a natural introvert, really nothing has changed. <laughs> but I know for so many people, just having them locked down in a home is an issue. Like they can't go a day without going out, which is obviously something that they should have to deal with themselves but obviously Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be in a lockdown like a government enforced lockdown unless people have been going out and people can't deal with social distancing themselves so Mm -hmm. obviously um lockdown during the first the first stretch I like to say where everything was full lockdown full everything was fine for me but then Mm-hmm. once it was a bit of easing like and then there were suddenly so many systems in place systems I like to say um well it was a bit of a different story because then once everything started to open up friends were asking me oh you want to go out it's a rule of six now oh no it's a rule of eight wait no it's a rule of four Oh, it's a rule of six again. So obviously that was I was just really confused the whole way through. And then it was mm-hmm. eat out to help out. I was like, you know, I'm a bit of a deal snatcher myself. So but when it was eat out to help out, I was going out every single Monday to Wednesday to my favorite places, which was nice. Yeah. But also I was very scared of getting the virus. So it was a balance mm-hmm. of uh, happiness, scared and exciting. Mm-hmm. Lana, what about you? How do you find everything? Um, yeah, like the first stretch of lockdown for me, uh, this whole thing's just been massively anxiety-inducing to me, but the first stretch of lockdown, I, you know, I felt like I couldn't do this. I, I mean, I'm used to being stuck in my home for months at a time, stuck in the same room for months at a time, 
um and I had way more freedom than I have had in the past but you know that was years ago so wasn't as equipped to deal with it Mm -hmm. I think what happened really quickly for me was big depression times because I had nothing to distract myself with especially when school ended Mm -hmm. I was just stuck in this weird limbo and I was like I don't know what I'm doing and uh I think when you live with people you're not entirely comfortable around everything does get a little bit more anxiety inducing so I've been living in this shed for a lot of lockdown and um, then I closed it because it was cold and there were big spiders but now I've killed the spiders and I'm back in my shed there's a flag <laughs> on the ceiling fantastic but yeah um I think I've been speaking to a few people this week and the general consensus is first month was like, oh, it's so like, staying aside, we had Tiger King and there was like the banana bread. Yeah, the sourdough. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, it was novel and it was like, I guess, quite exciting to be always like inside no school. And then I think that really quickly wore off because depending on different like situational things at home, I think being stuck indoors with people for that even no matter how much you love them it's just exhausting yeah, like, oh yeah you get annoyed <laughs> exactly yeah and also because i um especially when it started opening up in may like i mean i didn't really see anyone because i was like oh god i'm so worried about giving it to people or yeah also because my both my parents are like frontline nhs workers so I'm constantly at risk of giving it to someone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was know. sort of it was sort of weird for me because um I I really I'm I am one of the people who like I I need to be going out I can't be inside all day most of the time mm-hmm. like I really like I find that actually pretty difficult but I ended up being okay with lockdown at least at first like I mm-hmm. I, I did I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would because I just had like a routine. Granted, that routine was not doing any of my college work, and I literally never even did that project in the end, because even though that was meant to be my final project, major project of the year, and when they decided not to grade it, I literally was just like, well, I'm not doing this. But then the weird thing for me was was actually when my grandma died, because she died mm. sort of, in, she died like, I think it was 5th of April or something, so fairly early lockdown. And that was actually so strange, because I thought, it wasn't a coronavirus, she was 94, but um, she... It was quite weird, actually, because at first I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm having to go through this during lockdown. I can't see anyone. I can't get like that support, which I usually kind of rush out for when it's first. But weirdly, well, the nice thing was it was actually it basically just meant that I was like it was the surprising effect was it meant I was I, I just give me time to just mourn like I could do that. Mm-hmm. And so it was so uh, something I was expecting to be really awful was expecting to like just totally make like it unbearable. Actually. I mean, it did. It did in a lot of ways, but I think on. I don't. I think it would have been worse if I just had to go back to real life, and having so not having to do that was was actually nice. And also, meant her funeral, which like because of the type of woman she was, she would, the people, her friends there would have kind of taken over. But because of like like lockdown restrictions, we only have ten people or nine or something, and. Um, so I mean, it was really casual. It was just family. We all covered each other. We were just like speaking about her. And it was it was surprisingly that was the aspect of lockdown. I found the most surprising was actually was I'm actually really glad that happened then because I don't know it did yeah it gave it gave, it gave us all the whole like a time to process and everything which which was expected. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was just. <laughs> I think Lana, what you said about um, depression and the fact that you haven't got something to distract you with, I think that resonates with a lot of people because you know, I think with college and seeing people, you can kind of get on with it sort of and kind of be a bit of act as a bit of distraction but when that suddenly disappears also add to that a pandemic I mean it doesn't help does it so especially yeah. you're like hypochondriac at all or like just scared of illness or death or anything it's really not exactly. the best time also um I was reading an article by a psychologist and he said that everyone's baseline stress level rose about 30 percent during lockdown so if you're already quite a stressful and anxious person I mean, it's going to go pretty high. And so... Oh, we're 100% here. Yeah. <laughs> As my therapist likes to call the pot <laughs> of shit. So... <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, also suicide rates really rose over lockdown, especially a young mom, among young people. So, yeah. And yeah. is that because of the government's, like, incompetency? But then, perhaps? at the same time... They found in a study, didn't they, that um, a lot of children, <coughs> and that cough is not coronavirus, <laughs> promise. Coronavirus. <laughs> that, um, that kids were less anxious about school-related things. Mm-hmm. My sister, I won't go into that much detail, but my sister hates school. School makes her very anxious. She has a lot of social anxiety. And being over lockdown and doing everything remotely, she was able to get on with so much more work. She felt so much more at peace. But at the same time, when lockdown ended, we basically went agoraphobia with her, you know. Like, it was, like, a struggle to get out of the house anymore. Mm-hmm. So it it's, like, a blessing and a curse at the same time, I think. It helped people in some aspects and then completely destroyed your life in other ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is definitely to blame with the um the government because like I think a lot of it was I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong but um the confusion about like the different restrictions like even now with this new tier thing I have no idea how it comes seems like system. <laughs> yeah I don't what I didn't I didn't get it and also like I guess again with Dominic Cummings the betrayal of the leaders and then they just passed off. And so, of course, everyone's just going to be like, well, what's, what's the point? If you guys can go and visit a castle, like, during the height of lockdown, then I'm just not going to listen because you're not taking your own rules seriously. So I think yeah. definitely... Yeah. Like role models. Kids copy their parents. Yeah. Or the public copies yeah. leaders. Yeah. I mean, we can't exactly say that the general public is um, particularly smart, so we can't blame, although you can blame people for being idiots and going out in groups of 79 or whatever the hell, um, yeah, they're not, they're not the ones that are supposed to be making the plans. Exactly, and then we, we get blamed copy. for doing yeah. what they tell us. <laughs> you leave, like, a bunch of people in a room. you know that's what it's like it's like Mm -hmm. you leave a bunch of people in a room and like what do you expect of course they're gonna be chaotic they're humans so the government can't really take any chances here they can't go off uk intelligence and common sense because we don't exactly Mm -hmm. have any anti-lockdown protest happens yeah Anti-mask protest oh happens. Anti-Rona, <laughs> Rona denial. 
that existed yeah. kind of proves the point that we can't trust it, you know? Mm-hmm. I think also adding to that, like, as a nation, I think we're not very good at listening to what is being told because... Um... There's this English thing that then they, and the government sort of represented this as if, like, before, like, the proper restrictions were in place. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of refuse to be absolute. They'd just be like, well, we recommend you do this. Oh, yeah. Like, that's very, it's a very English thing because there's no, we have, there's a, it's, I don't know, it's, it's something about this country. Like, no one ever says anything directly and just tells you what to do. It's always, you always have to sort of, you know, step around oh, the country. actual thing. Like, it's such... It's like yeah. a riddler. It's like... Could you please not get coronavirus, please? Go please. Yeah. Or more. It's like, yeah, that would work if it was yeah. Hong Pretty Kong and everyone had the sense and wore their masks and washed their hands, be like, oh yeah, here's the statistics, mm-hmm. don't do this, this and that, we trust you, have a good day. But yeah. we're talking about the UK mm-hmm. here. The English culture is to be just defiant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just... It's the... I can't. I can't exactly trust anyone to wash their hands for thirty seconds. Like, yeah, Jesus. Uh, I don't think the general public knows how long thirty seconds is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Like, in like the hand washing thing, like in in the loo at college, I see people and they literally just go, <laughs> "That's it," and they dry their hands. It's like, yeah, and you it's... know, wearing the mask under their nose. It's just like, how oh, they God. wear their mask. <laughs> it's just, it's just oh, Lana Del Rey's mesh mask. Oh, they God, wear them yeah. like this, or like this, <laughs> or like yeah. this, never oh. like this. Oh, it's just infuriating. Also, the other thing mm. which I wanted to talk about was the like, do you remember clap for carers? And then yeah. the insulting, oh, yeah. everyone used to clap, and then they go and vote Tory and don't wear their mask and say that the pandemic is a scam. But they're like, save the save NHS. Save the NHS, clap for this. the carers, Thursday night. Yeah. And then bl- and then directly blame carers and care homes. Like, exactly. Like literally, not even, not even, not even like. We don't clap for those who are saving lives other time. Oh yeah, we, mm-hmm. the carers yeah, are just gonna love these claps. They're gonna use them to pay for their PPE. Yeah. Like, what, what about the rest of the time as well? No one gives a crap about the NHS or about carers or about you know even like parents as carers or you know guardians as carers. The rest of the time, yeah. very performative. Shut well, up. Give yeah. people your money. Donate to charity. I don't care about your clapping. I refuse yeah. to clap every single night, except the one night where my cousin was like, I want to play with um the pots and pans. And I was like, cool, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Just make it as loud as possible. Yeah. Kill everyone here. I miss that. I feel like I, I agree with people donating to the NHS. I don't have an issue with that. In fact, I think it's a good thing. But it's it, it's, it does seem sort of fucked up that, like, people were having to donate to a like a national yeah. service the nhs isn't a charity like shouldn't it's, like the quote yeah. unquote donations be the taxes you know yeah if, and if you want to like not donate to the nhs but there are plenty of other like care organizations that you can donate to you know to get these people not just ppe but like even if we ignore coronavirus no one gives a shit about the carers these carers that work day in day out to look after these people give them some money give them some things so that they can have respite and stuff like that you know no of Uh, course i'm not i'm not saying we shouldn't do that i just mean like i just just more meant in the sense that like it's sad that we have to i i have such a weird relationship with the nhs like i wouldn't be here right now without them but at the same time 
they're crap. And then I hear people complain about the NHS and how badly they're doing everything. It's not their fault. These people, these are people that want to save lives. It's the government's fault for not giving them money and then slowly privatising them. Like, please, please stop blaming your doctor. He's doing his best. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, and also, with the clap for carers thing, I know my immediate friendship group, it was really we had a massive argument over it oscar if you'd like oh, to um, oh yes i remember i remember this little squabble yeah. well it was like, um, I thought it was only sort of one person yeah it like, was kind of like gonna... like three people kind of i don't know but basically like i think a lot of people think that the cat carers thing was like oh it was like a nice thing to show appreciation which it was and like it was at first like the first two things. times maybe like when it was every yeah. week, it just kind of, like, kind of like, it just became like a publicity thing for the government to do, to like pretend they're doing something without actually, you know, helping. Yeah, mm. and so as I said earlier, that my listen to the podcast I did on like in May with my parents, and they they will talk about it a little bit more. But I um, like um, basically, I like to compare it huh? to those people who record themselves donating, like giving money to the poor, like giving money yeah. to the homeless, like yeah. Not wrong yeah. to give money to the homeless, but it once was you nice record it and you have yourself. it make such a spectacle out of it, it makes it lose its meaning. Yeah, it's yeah. formative activism. <laughs> and like, also, so on my street, um, we live in a little cul-de-sac, and every Thursday, they'd all the people around us. We we wouldn't normally go outside because like my parents didn't agree with it, but everyone on the street knows that dad's a doctor mum's a nurse and they'd come and like stand on our driveway <laughs> and it was like oh no but then you walk so embarrassing oh dear just... i know and we just be hiding <laughs> just like, oh, God. that's so... it's sweet, sweet as a thought sweet but yeah it is sweet but think... they also all vote tory and like yeah know. and i think yeah, if, just... if we really did care about the carers and clapping for the carers really was a good thing we'd still be doing it every thursday night and are we no <laughs> also was we'd be doing pay rises and not shouting at your lovely neighborhood nurse and be nicer you know, to the this. carers when you're at the oh, hospital and be nicer worry. to the nurses when you're at the hospital you know yeah yeah yeah, Give them... <laughs> yeah. also it's kind of like i think my parents saw it as kind of insulting because also did you hear about the government claimed that oh we've given a 16 percent pay rise to nurses or something and everyone was like where is it then <laughs> like, Come on. pay up and then Thank mps you. got a pay rise which they did account for so ugh. frustrating i was like oh yeah uh, you get the new prime minister and then they're like yeah we're going to give the nhs two million more pounds this year and then they don't yeah like there's that they say all these things and they never freaking do them like I like personally my mum isn't a nurse but she is my carer and um a lot of her friends are nurses one of her friends is prison guard which is basically a caring job when you think about it um and very high risk and uh like uh one's a Macmillan nurse and all that and you're getting all this news from them like yeah the tests aren't working they're also not counting the tests that come from people in hospitals and they're um not giving us any money and they're not giving us any ppe and you're just sitting there like oh my god i'm going to lose you you know and 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 then someone's clapping out their window and you're like shut up yeah shut up 
I'm trying I'm trying to keep people alive over here. Yeah. Like I mean a clap the sentiment is there and it's a nice thing to do. However, like it did kind of get to the point where it was just like, oh god, like it's a Thursday, eight o'clock, here we go again. Like yeah. I remember I was walking my dog one time and someone started loudly clapping like with like pants or something right next to him. He honestly freaked out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's funny, it's funny, you're like hearing them clap and I'm like, Sue, shut up, you voted Tory. First run me over in a car and you're clapping for carers, yeah. All right, <laughs> whatever. Anything but pay rise is the you know <laughs> the motto. Yeah. Oh God. Um just again doing another oh, U turn. Like the government. Um I did an Instagram poll and how sixty one people voted about how well do you think the government responded can you guess how many people what how how much along the sliding bar from no to yes people averagely responded like right at no i'd say just a little bit away from no i say right at yeah no, pretty much. it was about 15 percent said no and it's funny because like some people I, I would not expect were like really strongly yes. Like, I think there was about ten people who were like yes, they responded like excellently. I was like, oh god, that's like excellent. I mean, <laughs> like right on the end. Right. Yes. I do agree that the first lockdown, like that, was good. That was that's yeah. what we want. But it was, it was still It was still mediocre because they they didn't have masks and they didn't have that. It was it was mediocre. But it was the best our country could do, and I knew that, so it I was, was happy best, for it. Like, the best <laughs> yeah. of the lockdowns, in my opinion. Like, yeah, let's go back to that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll please. go back to that yeah. and add a couple things on, and then we should be actually maybe hitting the good tier rather than the oh well. <laughs> I just want to say, I what guess we're doing now you're okay. Might as well just be doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. I'd honestly rather they just. I'd honestly rather they did just like I want them. Like ideally, I'd have. They'd, it would be better if they just like you know, just went all out and actually did a lockdown. But if they're just, I'd rather if they're just going to do stuff like this. I, it, I'd rather they just do nothing because then if they're going to like basically yeah. let us live like a normal life, they might as well just let us do it. If then, like if they really, they don't care. Like, it gets on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like they're not making a decisive choice, and that's what we want. We want decisiveness so that we know what the fuck was what the excuse my language we're supposed to be doing um but uh they haven't done that and mm-hmm. it's hard to to try and like uh what's the word like quantify what we're supposed to be doing yeah there's a lack of clarity i think and that's it's, what's it's like people. i think it's either have like the march lockdown get it over quickly and get back on or don't have a lockdown. Trust your citizens to do the right thing, and keep it that way. And don't have this sort of middle five tier seven colours, right? Three number red, orange, brown. Seven is the highest. One is the also the highest. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just to. Be yeah, be explicit in what you're saying, Bojo. Be explicit. I don't think that man would know explicit if it hit him in the face, unless it was a porn magazine. Then he'd know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but then again, to throw devil's advocate back in there, um, what what is the arguments against herd immunity? Because surely just let it go free in the population. 
and it'll be over soon enough. What's what is your two cents on that? Because I, I, it's quite polarizing. I've spoken to people who believe that yes, we should just get it over and done with. People will die, but it's a pandemic, so people will die. However, it's kind of like oh, how do we? can't work with that attitude her if we want herd immunity um we need to have explicit rules on how this is going to work we have to explicitly say okay this is how close you need to stand to people you must wear a mask unless you physically cannot do that you must do this you must do that and then we can let it go into herd immunity without a lockdown you can't just say oh everyone go do what you want don't wear masks don't do this because that won't result in herd immunity that will result in both vulnerable and not vulnerable people dying herd immunity Mm -hmm. should be that the not vulnerable people are doing everything they can to protect the people that are vulnerable and you're not doing that like they're not doing that at the moment so that is not that is not going to work it's not going to work unless they put Mm -hmm. effort in for people like 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 me and uh, it's just dumb you can't let it go free because Mm -hmm. the herd immunity people will not follow the herd and wear their mask because it hurts their nose and uh, it's not fashionable it's like no yeah, I think also until we have a vaccine, like it's basically useless saying herd immunity will work because herd immunity only really works if it's like immunity hasn't worked for the flu, like <laughs> exactly. Like, and yeah, and the the vaccine, um, we're not going to realistically be able to get a useful mm-hmm. vaccine until spring, yeah. earliest. And so until then, I think we just need to kind of grit our teeth and get on with, um, yeah, just being in a strict lockdown because that's the only way that we can protect the vulnerable population or even just like the normal people i think cause, yeah until we have a, a reliable vaccine it's just useless saying that oh yeah. just let it go through the population let it kill who it wants to kill like, that's just well if we want to look at the population like... look at the us and see how well that's and it's yeah. also like you know exactly. how do you see that when you have the everyone go out do whatever approach it's like yeah okay but everyone will get the virus and everyone will get symptoms and everyone and some people will get the heavy symptoms and have to go into the hospital and then we're overloading the hospitals mm-hmm. you know i don't think the nhs yeah, can deal with that many people let alone it's like we're having right now they're not dealing with the people they didn't have the capacity for the average before the coronavirus came in you know, like if I went to the hospital, it would take me like seven hours to get a bed. But and and that's even if it's an emergency. You know, they never had enough capacity for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, my mum writes an A and E at Brighton, and she says that like people are literally in the corridors on yeah. stretches because there's just no, you know, it's. I, I think obviously she wasn't working in hospital in the height of lockdown when they were having to, like do the whole emergency hospital thing but even now like hospitals are overrun and there's not enough beds well so when we say not enough beds I used to think it was just like there's not enough physical space but it's not it's there's not enough um people to a bed so there's not enough nurses or doctors and which is because of the government not paying nurses enough and charging like £30,000 for a nursing degree so like of course there's not enough beds so I think 
coming down to it, it's literally just the government being economically greedy. Oh, God. Health and hospitals isn't something to be greedy with, you know? Exactly. kind of have to deal with it as a non-greedy thing because it's people's lives at risk. Hex on the washing line, and then we got stuck in the door. <laughs> it gets down sometimes. Hashtag shed life, you know. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um. Okay, so. I think that's that's all I wanted to talk about, really. Apart from just like, what do you think will happen in the next few months, and what can we do to avoid mass death? <laughs> what do you think should happen if you were the dictator of England? What would you do now? It's lockdown, like March. It, it's uh, I always hate that it's it's cure, cure, cure. We need prevention. <laughs> Okay, we need to stop people from getting it in the first place, you know, rather than trying fixing them afterwards, like, just, just lock down. And I think now is actually a good time to lock down, because right now, like, student-wise, people aren't having exams, people aren't, you know, like, this is a good time to manage that lockdown, because nothing uh, politically or, or, or student-wise, like, it, important is happening and yeah i know there's holidays like christmas but we were locked down for eat so who cares you know you can order from online and give your mum a gift anyway like it doesn't matter just shut it down and we should be able to open up i think more in january i just got a notification saying possible covid exposure oh i got the other day in history and then about two seconds later the was don't worry you assessed your risk and there's no need to take action <laughs> so yeah wait sorry can everyone hear me for a second my headphones I... died so i'm unmuting to... i just missed that a little bit don't worry well um, zach what about I you, feel like you the tory government has put the uk in a place where we can't like exactly go back into a lockdown they've opened it too much for us to go back it's like a ratchet you can't exactly just yank it back into lockdown because well everything's Mm -hmm. back into motion and it's like well what do we do now to um do something that can emulate the lockdown more than what we're doing now so i say bump the restrictions all the way up put some more funding into research into the vaccine and into the whatever's because by now, I feel like we're in the point of no turning back, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's just me being a bit pessimistic, but... I think we've seen other countries like South Korea open up almost completely again, you know, open up their clubs and their restaurants and all that, and then, boom, there's an explosion, there's, like, 30 people get COVID and the whole country is back in lockdown again. And obviously our government is a little bit 
unsure of themselves they don't know what the fuck they're doing in other words but you know like looking at them or looking at New Zealand they got freaking two cases and they shut it down I think the main problem that we've had with having so much COVID still during lockdown is they never locked down the airports they let people come in and they let people come out New Zealand South Korea China basically most of Asia just shut their airports down and New Zealand and Australia also shut their airports down. Look yeah. at them. They're fine. They can go to restaurants and yeah. have fun all they want. But yeah, like, yeah, you know, and we've done it before now. We know how it works. Yeah, no, we know how it works now. Lockdown. We knew how to keep the restaurants going with takeaway and we knew how to keep the businesses going online like everyone's already had a taster of that so I don't think it would be as hard to shut it down again as it was the first time because those measures are there to fall back on already whereas before we had to create yeah, them yeah. I don't so, think I don't it's know. so much of an issue <laughs> like administration wise like yeah we could put in the facilities and like put in the precautions but then it's like the UK population what they yeah. I can just imagine like Boris Johnson announcing the full-on lockdown and then people are gonna go well you opened up the country so much and now we gotta go back in not very fair in it they're already already complaining about local lockdown so yeah I just like some part of me is like okay well you know um let's just get rid of these idiots let them catch covid and kick the bucket but you know they spread it to other people. That's where my concern is. If you want to go get COVID because you're stupid enough to go to an anti-mask protest, by all means, get it. I don't <laughs> care about you. That's your own fault. Survival of the smartest here, thank you. But when you spread it, because it is such a thing that you spread to other people, you can't really have that attitude of, oh, well, you get it then, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I think I hope that the government realises that it. They, I think they opened up too soon. Not the time. Like July, it was it was too soon. Like I mean, actually, to be fair, when they opened up, um, two days later was the the lowest number of positive tests in a day, which was like three hundred and fifty two since before lockdown. Um, so like it was, it seemed, if you look at the curve, it does go down, and that's when we opened up. It's like makes sense. However, it was yeah. too much too soon. So like if they just kind of been like, okay, like you know, maybe. A few pubs can open, not every and single pub, every put single a discount restaurant scheme on with a maximum there. capacity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, people, the British people love a bargain, so obviously, we're going to go out and use these things. Um, and now, if you look at the graph, it's literally vertical, it's just gone whoop, like that. And of course, it, of course, it has because wanna, we've been encouraged yeah, to go I out. I want to give like a unique populate. perspective, like with the eat out to help out, like for takeaways and restaurants it's like if you have a restaurant that's a takeaway portion and in lockdown you've been doing so many takeaways you've been fine and then suddenly like you can open the restaurant back up again but you have to do testing tracing and if one person gets it the whole restaurant including takeaways has to close down it's not very economically viable mm-hmm. yeah. that's true yeah and talking about the economy again like i mean there is an argument saying that we should just kind of get on with it like we can't be in lockdown forever because um the economy will just crash and longer term that's more problematic but again it's kind of going back to the fact that like 
people were dying and, and it's so... we'd like that to not happen. Oh, <laughs> we can't be in lockdown forever. That's the point of a lockdown. The point of a lockdown is to get over the um the big portion of it and once we're out then oh yeah let's re- you know like i think it should be more like a, a 40 60 kind of thing or maybe even a 30 70 with 30 to the economy and 70 to the people staying alive because if those people die your economy is also yeah. going to go your consumers are gone your business owners are gone you know like mm-hmm. your taxpayers they're, they're gone like now they're dead sorry you don't have my <laughs> A big portion of the workforce, even though they're old, old people still have work and they're vulnerable. And they're massive, much more likely to be like massive consumers, you know. You go out and they're always eating out for breakfast and brunch or, you know, my grandma's just sits at the computer and orders clothes online all day, you know. (laughs) They're giving all the money, (laughs) way more money than I ever could with my five quid in my bank account, you know. Um, does anyone have any closing remarks about the pandemic response? Uh, we no. Um, nope. Closing to the people, wear a mask, don't complain. Yes, wear your mask over your nose, please. Wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands. Don't have a house party. Right, thank you for coming to speak. It was um, loving doing podcasts again and slightly more successful than last week's. Of course, yes. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Um, wear a mask. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.